you can do it again. Einstein says, okay, good, he's coming over in the morning and I'll let him do the shower, but I'll do the sink. So I start doing the sink. Now, never turned off the water. I take the sink and for somehow, I get lucky. I change the sink fixtures and it looks beautiful. And Sue's like, wow, how'd you do that? Easy. You take a screwdriver, you unhook them, you take them off, blah, blah, blah. Look at this. So she walks out of the room, and I'm thinking, what does Nick know? This is a professional. I said, I'm going to go for the shower. And she's like, don't do it, please. So she goes upstairs, and she's kind of being with, at the time we had little kids. And I go to the shower, and I start unscrewing the, the shower head and the bottom part where you turn it on. I don't even know the names, the fixtures. I never turned off the water. So I'm thinking the sink is done. I'm looking at the shower, and all of a sudden, I get the top one done because you don't need the water on or off for that. So I'm like, wow, I did all this in like 20 minutes? In the past, this would have taken me like five hours. Maybe I'm starting to get handy. All these things are running in my head. I'm picturing myself with a tool belt. All this stuff. All of a sudden, I go for the, 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 fist, the fixture to start turning it, to uncranking it, and all of a sudden it gets looser and looser, and all of a sudden, pop! The water starts shooting all the way across the room into the, the, the outlet. And all of a sudden, the water's shooting into the outlet, and our brand new house that we just redone starts filling with water. I'm screaming. The kids come down. They're all crying, freaking out. Sue looks at me, and she's like, oh, I'm going to kill you. And I run now. I call Nick. I'm like, Nick, my house is filling up with water. And he starts laughing. What are you doing? He starts trying to lecture me while my house is filling up with water. He's like, go turn off the water. I'm like, I don't know where it is. I don't know where the main water line is. He's like, downstairs. It's underneath this. Pop the cap off and turn it off. Do you know what the, the leading cause of failure is? Impatience. Not the unhandy husband, impatience. Do you know that? That most of the time in our life, the reason we fail is not because we're incompetent, except for me in that situation, not because we don't have the ability or the resources, but actually, it's impatience. And so oftentimes in all of our lives, there comes a point that we push into things that we're supposed to wait for. We're supposed to stop and trust not only others, but trust that God is in control. Do you remember last, the last three weeks we've been talking about the prayer of Jabez? And we talked about this guy who prayed a really, really big prayer. It was this guy who came to the end of his limits. He was completely finished. He didn't know what to do. His mom and him had major issues that she literally called him Jabez the pain. What a great way to start your life. But he prayed a huge prayer. God, in my limitations, bless me. Enlarge my territory and be with me and keep me from all evil and pain. You see, when you look at a guy like this, you think right away that, that Jabez believes that his blessings, this, this enlarged territory 
Everything beginning to, to seem to have clarity is supposed to happen when? Tomorrow, overnight, the next day. We have no idea the timetable of Jabez, but what we do is we know about a man in Scripture, another man who came to short time after Jabez. Matter of fact, he came before Jabez. Let me correct myself. He came before Jabez, who struggled with this very thing. God had made a promise, a huge promise. And yet, was he going to trust that God was going to fulfill it? Or was he going to allow his impatience to potentially lose everything God had in store? You see, here's what I believe. Everyone in this room, no matter where you're at in your journey of faith, God has a plan. A plan to lead you and guide you and direct you. But the biggest problem is this. Are we willing to wait? That as we have a relationship with Him, and as we walk with Him, He will fulfill all things. Turn with me in in the Bible to page 10. If you have one of these Bibles right here at your seat, if you didn't bring one or if you don't have one, turn with me to page 10. It's Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, page 10. Let me read it. I'll give you one minute. Page 10. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram, and we know Abram as who? Abraham. In a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. Listen to what God is speaking to him. I will protect you, and your reward will be what? Great. But Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. So in other words, God, no matter how much you give me, when I pass, it's going to go to no one except for one of my nephews. Not my children, not my spouse, but it's going to be handed off to someone else who lives in a distant land. Then then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up. Into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord. And the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Let me give you a little snapshot about Abram, who is then called Abraham. Right after God fulfills his promise, he changes his name. He did this many times all throughout Scripture. Simon to Peter, Abram to Abraham, Saul to Paul. It was actually a sign of some kind of transformation that happened in that individual's life. And here it was is that God had found a man who was never religious in the eyes of God. He used to worship the moon and the stars and all these different gods of the earth. But God for some reason pointed out Abram and said, I am going to start a new people through you. 
And here's what's so interesting that we often forget about, that there was nothing that Abraham had done to make him super special that God would say, you. But for some reason, he identified as Abraham to begin a whole new group of people. But here was the problem. Abraham was married, yes. But his wife was barren. He was in his 80s. Now think about it. When you hit your 40s and 50s and 60s, you don't think about starting to have children. You start thinking about, wow, my little ones will one day have children that I can be the, grandchildren, the grandparents. They can bring them to my house, eat all my food, destroy my basement, and I can send them home. Right? I'm looking forward to that day. But think about that. 80 years old. And he's thinking, how are you going to bless me? I am limited. We are unable as a couple to have children. I can't do this, nor can you. And I don't want you to bless me through others. I want you to bless me because of your intimate relationship you have with me. And so God took him outside. It was the dead of night. And he said, look up. He said, you see all those stars? That's your treasure. Do you see how many stars there are? You can't even count them. Even if you went like this, you couldn't count that many stars in your little circle. I am going to bless you and surprise you so much that the blessings will be countless. And so it says that Abram believed God and God called him righteous. You notice that it wasn't what Abram did that called him righteous. It was his what? His faith. His faith. Without faith, it's impossible to believe God. Without faith. And so actually, the things that we do in our life are just a reflection of our faith. That's all it is. And so when God saw Abram's heart, he said, you are right with me because you trust me. You see, but here's the problem is oftentimes in our life, just like me with my faucets, I trusted that Nick was going to come over and fix it, right? Hopefully he wasn't going to charge me because he was a friend. He may have. But oftentimes, our timetable is very different than God's. Our timetable is when? Now. This moment, this calendar year. Matter of fact, God, I'm going to give you about 30 days. 30 days. Starting February 1st, which was yesterday. For you to show up. Because if you don't show up in my 30-day calendar, you're a liar. And oftentimes what we do is we believe other people's lies. That as we're looking at our life and we trust that God has a plan for not only ourselves, but for our children, the people that we love the most, we start listening to the lies of others. Is He really going to show up? Is he really going to be faithful? 
Do you really believe that God would do that? I mean, think about this Jesus guy. Do you really think he walked on the water and healed the blind and, and did all these amazing things? Come on. That's ancient history. Or is it actually his story of faithfulness? And here's the beauty of this whole story of humanity is that you look at Abraham and we realize he was called what? Righteous. He must have done it perfectly. He must have not have screwed up. He must have not have messed up. He must have just walked the path and trusted that God would fulfill him. Jump with me to the next chapter, chapter 16, that same page. Now Sarai, whose name changed to what? Sarah. Abraham's wife had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, and this was the other voice, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abraham as his wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt. Then Sarai told Abram, this is all your fault. Okay? What would a guy do? What? You told me I can. This is all your fault. The Lord will show you wrong, you or me. Abram replied, look, she is your servant. I totally missed my place. With contempt. Then Aram said to Sarah, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms. Remember that. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Always goes back to God, right? Abram replied, look, she is your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar harshly that she finally ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to her mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. See, Sarai knew the promise of Abram. She knew that God said that you will have a child. And who, would, who was she supposed to have a child through? His wife. But as 10 years had passed, she's like, when? 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 Every single month had passed. And she kept thinking, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. And after 10 years, she couldn't take it anymore. And she came up with a solution. And she came up with a solution that culturally was okay. You see, in their culture, it was okay to take a maidservant, give it to your husband, to continue to increase your territory, your possessions, because the more wives you had and the more children you had, you were looked at as blessed. But you see, our cultural language around us is often very different than God's word. Do you know that? 
The cultural norms of what today is telling us how we live, what we're supposed to do, how we raise our children is oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes very different than what God has for us. And so Abraham, in his moment of weakness, just like all of us, had caved in and said, okay, I'll sleep with her. I'll fulfill God's promise not through you, but through her. And when he slept with her, she became pregnant. And everything hit the fan. This idea that Sarah, Sarah had that was going to be perfect and work out and everything was going to be fine and, and even though she wasn't the one, she can still be part of it. Hagar became contempt with Sarai. And she started mocking and taunting and making Sarai jealous. Sarai blamed it on Abraham and said, this is your fault. He's like, it's your fault. You put her in my arms. No, it's your fault. You see in Proverbs, it says that there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. And in the midst of this, Abraham said, you deal with your maidservant. I want nothing to do with her. And Sarai kicked her out of the camp and Hagar ran away and she was at a place of actual starvation and wanted to just end everything. And the angel of the Lord showed up and spoke to her and said, I am with you. You see, oftentimes we think of people that make mistakes or participate in things that they shouldn't and we just think that God's going to condemn them, right? Wasn't that song? Jesus, friend of sinners. I love that because I understand that. I understand my brokenness, my wretchedness, my, how messed up I was before I came into a relationship with Jesus. I get that. But the most beautiful part of this story is, is in many ways that God showed up to Hagar and met her and said, I am with you. And I'm going to bless you too. But you see, there's a problem. The blessing that God was giving Abraham was not the blessing he created. If we fast forward, we do know that, that Sarah becomes pregnant and they have a child. And God uses their son to have more children and more children and more children and more children and more children. And actually, if we were tonight to go outside and look up the stars in the universe, we would never be able to count them, right? But do you know who those people are identified that came out of the line of Abraham? Are the Jewish people. Think about that. As numerous as the stars in the skies, that God's faithfulness even continues to today. All because of one man. Abraham. But you see, even though they had a child, Abraham's choices, his impatience, had consequences. What are they? The tension in his marriage. I mean, think about that. If that happened today, what would take place? Divorce. What would you do, wives, if this were you were in this story? Flip the coin. Man, what would you do? Huge. Some of you are saying, I would kill him. 
but you gave her to him, I still would kill him. Rightfully so. There are consequences. First, his relationship with Sarah in many ways was tainted. It was broken and it needed healing. Two, he had a responsibility now to provide for this other child. I mean, let's not forget about Ishmael. Here is this fatherless child that that Abraham is going to bless. But that's a responsibility because of his decisions. And and, And lastly, what about all of those who were following Abraham that journeyed with him and they heard all the mumblings throughout the camp. Do you hear what Abraham did? Do you hear what Sarai did? Do you hear what went on? Do you hear about the fight in the tent? Do you hear what happened to Hagar? Do you hear what's going on? I have to believe that all those who had put their trust in Abraham to go to a different land, that for some time, their faith and trust in him was tainted. You see, here's what we have to be careful of. Two things. This is how I'm going to wrap it up. First, if we truly know Christ, and if we truly want to have a relationship with Him, are we going to allow the different lies that other people tell us, the other pressures that people put us into, to have a louder voice than our Creator? In the Word of God. Are we going to allow our cultural norms, and I'm not talking about the big, big things, even in the big things, but I mean the little things. Look at this story alone about prayer. Are we going to allow the little things to trust God in such a way that when the people around you tell you something different, that you're going to hold on to that? But it's also more than that than just this whole idea of culture because then it's only about this this idea of morality. You see, Jesus didn't come to make us more moral. He came to put us in a relationship with our creator, God. And yes, do we become, you know, let's call them better people or sharper people or whatever, the way that, that we kind of parade around in. That's not why Jesus came. You see, we're all broken. We all have stuff. We all have junk. We all have sin, those things that, that keep us from engaging in a relationship with God. That's all sin is. It's our selfishness. It's those things that keep us from engaging with God. And Jesus said, I came to take away the penalty of sin so that you can be right with your Creator. But as we're studying prayer, here's the big thing. Prayerlessness leads to missing out on God's blessing. Prayerlessness. Because when we pray, we are presenting our request to God. And not only are we presenting our request to God, we're allowing God the space for God to speak to us. You see, that's the beauty of the story of Abraham. God showed up to him. Not Abraham running to God. And so this is my challenge as we have begun this year, as we did with Jabez, and as we are now looking at 
this whole idea of impatience, the leading cause of failure. Do you believe that God has a blessing for your life? Do you believe that God has a blessing for your children? Do you believe that, that maybe that your timing is very different than His? Because let me promise you something. Through personal experience, it always is. But I also know this. God's timing is always perfect. Always perfect. When He sent His Son Jesus, it was His perfect timing. Because it was the perfect timing in human history that, that humanity knew that they needed a Savior, a Redeemer. God's timing is always perfect. Even in our own lives. And so as we come to the communion table this morning, that's our prayer. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, He didn't want to go to the cross. He said, God, if You can take this from me, take it. But if it's Your will, then I will follow through. And as we have been praying this big prayer for one another and for, and for our community as well, our prayer is, God, yes, bless us. Enlarge our territory for Your glory, for Your fame, for Your name. But God, give me the patience to allow You to reveal Yourself through Your faithfulness and not mine. So this morning, we invite all who follow the way of Jesus to come to the Lord's table. And if you're here and you're saying, hey, this morning, this is where I want to begin. I want to begin to really trust this, this Abraham story, this Abraham blessing. I want to invite you to come up too. And let this be your moment of faith. Let this be that, that staple that says, yes, today I'm going to trust that God through His Son Jesus is going to lead me. That I'm going to put away my selfishness, my sins, put them to the side and trust that you have the perfect plan for me. But I also want to do this. If you're here and just saying, hey, I'm just here because I'm stepping in faith. Don't feel that pressure to come up. Stay in your seat and pray. Allow yourself to just soak in what has been spoken about. Because I believe every one of us, red and yellow, black and white, we are all precious in His sight. God desires to lead us and guide us. And He does that so much that He sent His Son Jesus. That there's no more of this cloudiness. But we have the way to know Him. So I invite you now, Come to the Lord's table.